Senior Life Journeys presents Carol Howell's Let's Talk Dementia, a podcast designed to help caregivers find knowledge, power, hope, and smiles in their dementia caregiving journey. Welcome to Let's Talk Dementia. Here is your host, best-selling author, Carol Howell. Welcome to Let's Talk Dementia. I'm Carol Howell, your host, and as always, I am just honored when you join me. Reaching folks in over 95 countries, you guys are the reason that statistic is true. Well, it is not normal, not every time we get together anyway, for me to have a guest. I do choose my guest kind of um, sparingly. I don't like just everybody. <laughs> but I had the wonderful opportunity to have a conversation with Mr. Patrick Moffitt, who lives up in the Long Island area of New York. Patrick, how are you today? Okay, how are you, Carol? Good to be Doing here. Good, good, good. So now we are sitting here on March 30th, and I am in southwest Florida, and it's 90-something degrees. What you got going on in New York? Um, it's about 41 degrees now. Oh. We're going to go up to about 50. And, well, you got a heat wave. Yeah, we're starting to, yeah, exactly. Well, we're starting to see a rise now going into spring, so it's getting a little better. Oh, good. Very good. So you see that stuff fall from the sky that's called snow, and yes, we yes. don't here. I've heard that in our county, it actually snowed in 1970-something enough to cover the ground. I can't imagine I wasn't here then. But I'm from South Carolina, so I do know a little bit about snow, but nothing like you guys. Yeah. Well, folks, Patrick is um, a wonderful man who cared for his wife, Carmen. And Carmen was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the early, early age of 53. And as we've talked in the past, early onset Alzheimer's is diagnosed before the age of 65, even as early as someone in their teens has been diagnosed with that. It is a very quick moving, progressing, um, difficult caregiving journey. Uh, and, and not being any or making anyone feel less about their caregiving journey. But until you've been on an early onset Alzheimer's journey, boy, you don't know tough. And Patrick's done that. Patrick, you wrote a book and you've produced a movie whereby you tell part of your story um, of life with Carmen after her diagnosis. She was diagnosed at 53, passed at 67 in 2010. Tell them the name of the book in the movie and maybe why you called it that. Well, the uh, name of the book and the movie by the same name is called Ice Cream in the Cupboard. Okay. And uh, we, uh, we were, uh, had a uh, incident where we were in Puerto Rico and um, I'm going to get into that if it's okay, Carol. Sure. Well, so we were sitting in a restaurant. We were bickering tremendously in New York and I was kind of passing it off as typical, maybe husband and wife, but it was worse than that. And I knew it. I just couldn't get anything right. And I said, <laughs> you know, maybe we ought to get away on a little romantic weekend. She was Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's go to Puerto Rico for the weekend. Maybe we're both just working too hard. And let's take, take a break from the, from life. And uh, we got down there on the first day. Um, there was a couple of incidents of her. She just seemed to be angry. And then we went out to dinner at a beautiful restaurant and it had kind of a veranda, second floor to it. We were on the outside. And I was admiring the cars looking over the railing, 52 Chevy, 57 Ford. And wow, <laughs> cars just, they, they take, live forever down here because of the weather and the mechanics and all that. And I turned back and she hit me in the face with an entire plate of steak and lobster. No. So I went sailing out of the chair. I was just so stunned. Hit my head on the table behind Oh, the... that's not funny. Yeah, and that family's picking me up. Oh. Going, wow, this guy's got some wife. He must have said something really nasty. What has he been drinking? 
Meanwhile, we hadn't done any of that. And been drinking. She ran out of the out of the restaurant. I I pulled myself up. I was covered with all kinds of sauce and A1 and all this stuff. And I ran out of the restaurant as well and down the main drag of Ashford Avenue in San Juan, trying to catch up to her. And the police saw me running at full speed. And and you know, so here's a six foot three Irish guy chasing a five foot four <laughs> down the main drag of San Juan is not a movie, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they caught up to me as I caught up to her and we were able to get everything resolved and got in the taxi, got us to the hotel. She didn't show any emotion at all. We went up to the room and she laid down and uh, kind of took a nap. I said, okay. I was shaking from head to foot because I hadn't realized what happened. I was just too stunned. Right. I went out on the terrace and I had three of the fastest beers I think I've had in my life. <laughs> That's all that was in the refrigerator. And because I was shaking, I was just trying to calm down and collect my thoughts. Mm. I was only 49 years old. She was 53. What the heck is going on? Exactly. And, and she walked outside and said, honey, I am starved. What are we going to eat? And I said, I tried that an hour ago. And I said, you threw your food at me. Mm. And she said, how did your shirt get so messed up, by the way? I said, well, that's what I mean. You threw the food at me and this is where it landed. She said, you know, you just joke around too much with me. Sometimes you over tease. I said, I'm not joking. She said, oh, come on. I wouldn't do that to you. I love you. Why would I throw a plate at you? So now I'm even deeper in what could this possibly be? Something disappeared from my mind. Did you start questioning mind. yourself then? What's that? Did you start questioning yourself, your yes, memory of it? What, what, you know, did something have she trying to get rid of me? Um, uh, you know, I, I, what I is this? did separate for a little while legally. And, um, and is this her way of doing it? I mean, I was just trying to reach and grab, grab some straws, you know. And so I got on the plane the next day. I said, I got to get out of here. I don't know what this is. And I tried to explain to my kids and they're going, uh, let me get this straight, dad. Mom hit you with a plate across the table from a restaurant and you weren't arguing and you didn't say anything bad. I said, no, that's the whole shocking thing. Of course, none of the kids knew it. They were all in their 20s and they didn't understand. Right. And then, you know, we, she calmed down a little bit and it does taper down at times. And uh, I noticed that she was, she was starting to forget more, but she wasn't as angry. The, the anger issues were coming less and less, and then they'd go more and more again. So we came home from food shopping, and she put the groceries away, as she always did. I went to the cleaners, came back, and I see this white liquid coming down from under the cabinet, from under the cupboard, as she called it. And I said, you know, let me look here. And I opened up the door and going through the canned goods and trying to trace where this came from. And sure enough, I find a deflated box of Briar's vanilla ice cream, our favorite. Mm -hmm. It had melted in, in the cabinet. And I said, honey, it, it looks like you, you put the way food away at lightning speed today. And I said, you know, because you, you put the ice cream in the cupboard. And she said, I didn't do that. Why do you blame me for everything in the house? Why don't you blame those damn kids upstairs? Of course, there was nobody living there but her and I in the door. So now I'm just getting rolled over here by all this. And of course she got angry again. And I, I just, she had refused to go to a doctor. This is about a three month span, two month span from Puerto Rico on up. And uh, I said, tomorrow, if I have to, I got to throw a net over and get her in the trunk and take her to a doctor. Mm -hmm. Something is really, really wrong here. And I just had no clue. Little did I know that the school system where she worked had told her that day, listen, Carmen, if you don't get an exam over at the hospital, we made an appointment for you. If you don't do that, we have to fire you for cause. The kids' bus passes were all going in the wrong direction. Parents were calling saying, don't put my child on the bus. I'm coming to pick her up. Of course, she hung up the phone with Alzheimer's, okay? 
The call never existed. The child is sitting in front of her door by herself. The parents are calling. That's what got all that going. She did go to get that exam because the school said, said, we have to let you go for cause. You're not going to get any support from the state of New York. Oh, wow. No disability insurance. If you get it diagnosed with something, at least you have some income. She went and she was diagnosed that day and then came home that night and said, honey, can I talk to you for a minute? And we sat down together and she said, I have a touch of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. All this has been about. I've been so frightened. A touch of Alzheimer's. Yeah, a touch of Alzheimer's, which is almost like almost pregnant. <laughs> and, uh, and I knew right then I went, you know, I'm in for a rough time. This is going to yeah. be bad for her terribly, but it's going to take its toll on me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a incredible story um you said you tell them the story about when she became violent and punched a 90 year old man yeah that was um uh we had a, a situation where i was hiring people which i always recommend that caregivers really give a lot of thought to especially if it's spousal and it's early onset which most of the time it is mm-hmm. think about getting that help and support amen from you know you have to take care of yourself and uh, that's what I was doing. And then but she started to push the housekeeper around. I hired a professional uh, Alzheimer's caregiver. She was beating up on her and throwing things at her. Finally, everybody just quit and said, Mr. Marvel, we feel so bad for you. But that we just can't. This is dangerous for us to work here. Right. The housekeeper left and that. And I was still trying to work because I, I remember I remember getting recommendations that from Alzheimer's professionals saying, don't quit your job. Right. You're going to need this at some point in time. And it's, it's going yeah, to be for your sanity. Yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. like, you, know, you need that break. So I said, okay, but now what do I do? I got people quitting on me. So I, I talked to the doctors and they said, well, it's an Alzheimer's center here uh, at the Long Island Jewish Hospital and they have a daycare center. So you can drop your wife there. Mm-hmm. You can stay there. You can pick her up after work. All right. It was very pricey, like everything else. We went through our, our bank account like crazy. Oh, I hear you. Good. At least I could come to work. My bosses didn't. They said, if you come in late and leave early, don't worry about it. Just take care of, take care of your wife. And so everything went along pretty good for like, uh, well, maybe two or three weeks. We was picking up and dropping off. And, uh, and then one day I had a call uh, and it was from the uh, daycare facility. And they said, Mr. Moffat, you better come here today. We've had an incident and we've got mm-hmm. to report to you. Your wife is fine, but uh, you need to come here today as soon as you can. So. I left work and uh, when I got to the uh, Alzheimer's uh, Center, they said, uh, we had an incident today where your wife punched out a 90 year old man in the facility. Mm. And uh, he was pretty bruised and I just dropped my head and I said, oh my God, here we go. Here mm. it is again. And they said, we, we feel that, you know, we, we had to have you here, but we need to let you know that when we have an incident like this, where there is an Alzheimer's stricken patient strikes another patient or causes damage, to another person, the facility and the uh, caregiver's family of the person that caused the incident are legally responsible for damages. I said, "Holy smokes! You know, this is like, how could this be? You know?" And uh, but fortunately, the 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 elderly man, his family understood Alzheimer's. Wow. Uh, kind of everybody knew Carmen's case. They said, "We're not suing anybody." Good. And we just feel so bad for you that mm. this happened. And, yeah. And of course, the facility said you need to remove your wife from the facility right. by Monday. Yeah. We can't watch her that closely. She's too fast. You know, and that's why I, I, try, I try to tell caregivers that 
early onset caregivers, this early onset, the changes in it's like a light switch. Yes. It just goes off and they're gone. Something will happen. And if you're not right there, you're going to say it's going to be a bad incident. So then Carmen moved to a skilled nursing community. Well, not quite at that point. I, I, I discussed with the doctor. He said the first thing, because she's such a violent case, we need to find out what uh, cocktail of antipsychotic drugs are going to work to get her into some kind of state mm-hmm. to put her anywhere. Well, this is true. Right. So uh, they, I said, well, what do we do? They said, we have a facility. It's a hospital center called the Cottage Facility in, in the same area. And they said, what we do there is we will test all of these drugs. It takes about three weeks. She will be with us 24-7. There'll be someone sitting with her 24-7, taking all the notes. And at the end of these three weeks or so, we'll come up with what drugs are working. And then we'll have another meeting and we'll say, and hopefully we'll be sending home a much more calmer Carmen. Yeah. Said, okay, fine. This in the meantime, it's good for you to take a break anyway. The doctor said, you know, take a trip and don't make it a guilt trip. <laughs> make it a guilt trip. Go somewhere, visit family, but try to get out of New York, get out of the house. You know, maybe if you want to spruce up the house a little bit for when she comes back. You know, that would be nice. But other than that, get take a break and take a good breather. You, you earned it. And uh, I did so. And I uh, went away for maybe four or five days. And, but when I got back in three weeks, they called me and the uh, two uh, psychiatrists came in with the director. And they, they said, Mr. Robert, we found three uh, drugs that we can blend together that seem to work, seem to work. But frankly speaking, they cannot be administered at home. Mm. This is not a pill or an injection. This is something that has to be monitored. Uh, they're going to give it in a liquid form, like in a cup sort of thing. But we're not even sure, her case is so bad, we're not even sure how long these drugs work. Could be a month, right? If you try to bring her home and you're sleeping and she convulses during the night and you call 911 and an ambulance come, what are they going to do? They're not going to know what to treat her for. They're going to be looking for heart and this and that. They won't know anything about these uh, antipsychotic drugs that's in her system. Right, right. So you're risking yourself, mm-hmm. her life, your life, and anyone she comes in contact with. So we highly recommend. We can't tell you not to do it, but we highly recommend you go to 24-7 full-time care, skill nursing. Right. And that's how it's to happen. Yeah, wow, that's what a time. journey. Now, I believe you told me that Carmen had two sisters and a brother that also had early onset. Right, after after Carmen, uh, her uh, older sister, Millie, who's older by a few years, uh, was stricken. And uh, then her uh, brother, and then her younger sister, Evelyn, was right after that. So it was four out of four siblings. And I began to learn a lot about genetics, which of course, you know very well on, on some of these early onset cases, almost always genetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, four out of four siblings, you can almost guarantee it. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I was able to track it back with one of the elderly aunts down in North Carolina. And uh, because Carmen was kind of military brat when they came from Puerto Rico, her uh, uncle was in the army and he kind of brought the family into Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg. I got a hold of an aunt and I said, can you tell me, because I have nothing to run back on. How can I find this traceability for uh, genetic? And they said, I said, can you tell me about it? I knew Carmen's mother died of uh, cancer and she was very lucid when she died. Okay. Um, but I didn't know anything about Carmen's farm except that he died of uh, cirrhosis of the liver. He was an alcoholic. So I asked the aunt, I said, can you tell me anything about Emilio, her dad, anything about his behavior? She said, well, you know, he just drank too much. He was always falling down. She said, but there was one odd thing that kept happening over and over. 
I said, what was that? He said, well, he was a cutter in the Garmin Center in Manhattan in New York. And uh, he would go out to lunch and he couldn't find his way back to his job that he'd been at for 30 years. Oh my. Oh, yeah. And then I started to get in and I started asking some more questions. And I found that he was getting lost on his way home from work, rode on the wrong subway. Things he was doing automatically, like a little machine, he couldn't do anymore. Mm, so, so that sunny. was the connection that I made from yeah. the father, not the mother. Yeah. I hear you. So now you have you two had children. Yes, we had uh, and, two boys, and she had three girls from our first marriage. Uh, okay. And, uh, so we had five all together at the time. So normally what we see with um, early onset Alzheimer's is a very strong genetic component with the APOE4 gene. Right. Um, right. Have your kids or her kids um, opted to be tested for that as carriers of that gene? Are they doing that? No, they're not. And uh, my, my oldest uh, stepdaughter, uh, Laura, one of the twins, uh, is a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I, I we did, we took Scott to South Wayne and she said, Dad, based on the genetic connection that we have here, and she said, I've been studying this. I have Alzheimer's doctors all around me. Um, I don't want to go through the rest of my life waiting for the next shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. We pretty much can almost guarantee we have that gene. Mm -hmm. And the finality of saying, yes, you've got it. Here's a piece of paper. She says, I don't want that, and uh -uh. my sisters and brothers don't want it either. Yeah. Oh, I am so with her, and I, I don't have early onset Alzheimer's in my family. I do have late onset Alzheimer's in my family, and recently I had a neurologist tell me you should be tested for APOE4, and I said, no, I should not, because... I said, why? Why? And he said, well, then you can make lifestyle changes. I said, or I can make the lifestyle changes now and not get that gloom and doom lying on my head 24 seven. Yeah. And those lifestyle changes have been part of my world for oh, about two years now, very stringently living in my house, Patrick is no fun because there is no briars. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing, no sugar, no gluten. Yeah, it's just a boring place to eat, but um, getting healthier by the minute. So I, I totally get what your family and I support your family's decision in that. But you also told me about a friend um, who had a heart attack four days after starting caregiving. Caregiving's a hard job, and that's why I do what I do, is to bring hope yes. and smile and joy. But talk about that a minute. Well, that uh, was one of the vice presidents at Boxing National Corporation, where, uh, where I work. Um, uh, one of the other vice presidents came to me and said, you know, my, my, uh, my brother's wife uh, has been, uh, she's 51, and she's just been diagnosed with early onset uh, Alzheimer's. And he said, I... I I'm, I'm totally stunned. I'm seeing what's happening. I, I can't believe, I feel like I'm living your life that we watched you go through. Mm. Here it is again. I feel like I'm living Pat Moffat all over again. Yeah. Like brother, you know, feels in any way. So I, I gave him the best advice I could and you would do the same thing and what to do kind of thing. And I said, tell him not to quit the job. Okay, stay with that. Okay, and get help early. Okay, don't linger on with this thing because things are going to happen. Yes. And, and they're going to happen so fast. I said, but he's going to get run down. And so this actually went on about uh, when I had the last conversation with this fellow, Rick, about his brother. I said, you know, the biggest thing here that I see, and I, and I see Alzheimer's uh, caregivers and uh, professionals all the time, social workers, heart attack is big. Okay, because they're, the immune system is crashing, and that's sometimes the first thing to go. You're just, All that stress. Yeah, completely out of sauce uh, on, on stress, and you know, your diet is not right. You're just you're right. ticking time bomb. And four <laughs> days later, after making that statement to Rick, his brother had a heart attack. Mm. 
Oh, my word. Well, fortunately, somebody was home at the time someone came. He was able to get a neighbor who was taken to the hospital and he was saved. Mm. You can believe how on the money. And he says, my brother came home and ordered a caregiver to help him out right away. Yes, yes. So I wish I would have listened to Pat Moffat a month ago. You know, those are words you've said a whole lot. You should listen to Pat Moffat, right? <laughs> you've told your kids that for years. <laughs> so helping my clients to understand their need for professional care for their loved one is often one of my biggest challenges, that and helping someone know they should not be driving anymore. Those are two big things right. in, in the yeah. caregiving yeah. world. But um, realizing that we cannot do everything and we do have to have professional help. And that's not hiring Susie Joe who lives next door and, and needs a few bucks. That's hiring somebody that knows what they're doing or else seeking group living, assisted living, memory care, whatever yeah. is appropriate for our person. But you told a very sad and moving story about a woman in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Do you remember that story? Yes, I do remember. Tell, yeah. tell our um, listeners about that. Well, the, uh, March 3rd up here in uh, New York, we had uh, oh, about 20 inches of snow on Long Island. And that's why I don't live there. That's why you don't live there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, out in Pennsylvania, it was much heavier. They got about 27 to 28 inches. And uh, the next day I, I read on, uh, I was going through Yahoo News, because uh, you don't see these cases put on regular TV, but uh, I was reading Yahoo News and they said, uh, uh, Allentown woman with uh, Alzheimer's dies on the street in snow. Mm. And I read the article and, uh, and it said the uh, woman got out of her house. They didn't mention anything about caregivers or anything. Uh, somewhere in the middle of the night, went right out in the snow. Mm -mm. Of course, they don't remember how to dress for different things. Nope. They don't know how to do that. Got eight blocks from her house in Allentown, just eight blocks. Became totally disoriented. Some buried herself in the snow, maybe a snow plow might have thrown more snow on. Nobody saw him. At 4 30 in the morning, which leads me to believe that maybe the caregiver was asleep. Maybe the caregiver was drinking. I know I drank. Mm. I, mean, I had reached a point that I needed a few drinks just to go to sleep for a little while, just to get a few hours. Right. Maybe that was the case, but she was reported missing at 4.30 in the morning, and that was an odd hour. Sure. It might have, person, I don't even know if there was a caregiver there to this day. The Allentown police have, haven't returned my calls yet. I'm trying to get in touch with the family and see if I can offer them some assistance. You know? Right. But that was the case, and uh, I'm sure they're, you know, they're kicking themselves right now saying, God, I wish I would have got a 24-hour person, you know, something like that, full-time care. And, and you, you see the snow out and people say, well, you know, Martha won't be going out today because it's snowing, you know. Well, that's when they're going to go. Uh, you can just about count on it. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very, very sad case. The woman really didn't have to die, but mm -hmm. she was just 67 and had Alzheimer's for about three years. And, you know, with the folks who have late onset Alzheimer's, it is often very difficult to project if they will be a wander risk or not. Sometimes we kind of know if they're just sitting on the sofa 24-7 and we can't get them to get up to move anywhere. Right. They probably are not going to wander, but they still could. But right. when we're dealing with early onset Alzheimer's, you cannot, the only thing you can assume with early onset Alzheimer's is that something's going to happen that you were not expecting. That's about the only assumption because everything else is absolutely a possibility. And yeah. that's the scary part. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 what they maybe, I mean, should have could have water as we say, but uh, maybe one of those door alarms that you put under the yes. door where someone tries to open up the door and it sets off the alarm. Mm -hmm. uh, my, when my, I was, I got away for a couple of days and my son said that I'll stay with mom. 
you know, uh, you just take a break for a while. Uh, he took my recliner from the living room and put it against the front door and <laughs> slept in the recliner so mom couldn't climb <laughs> over him to get out. Now that will work. <laughs> and I went, found out that story last week and I went, really? I didn't know you did that one. You know? <laughs> he was so frightened, all of us. You know, guy, though. You know, what you were going through, he said, I decided to come up with that idea and, and uh, you know, and mom never came downstairs. He said, but I was ready. You know. That's it. And so that was one problem he did not have to deal with. So yeah. you know, kudos to him. Yeah. So Patrick, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice as a caregiver that will have an, an impact on their world, what would that be? Get the early help. That, because it's going to save your life. Mm-hmm. I, when I first was, Colin was first diagnosed and I first met with the doctors the first day, Dr. Giselle Wolfgang, a famous geriatric uh, doctor, said, Mr. Moffat, this disease can claim two victims, mm-hmm. your wife and you. Amen. And I was just stunned for a second. And I said, because you're going to get run down. Your immune system's going to fail. These be the story I told a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we can't lose you because then you're no hope to Carmen. That's it. So that's why that song was you're really saving two lives. I can't give a, a better piece of advice than that. Yeah. And it's very hard because the spouse always wants to say, listen, I can take care of my wife or my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm married to them. I can do this. I'm good. You know, right. gonna, this is a, such a wild disease. At that age, you're going to only hurt yourself. Yeah, I am totally in agreement with you, my friend. And it's very hard to let go of your expectations of yourself. When you aren't able to, quote, live up to um, those expectations, and then you feel like that you have potentially that you're a failure or you're unsuccessful, when in fact, those are not realistic expectations to begin with. And realizing that does uh, make life a little easier for everybody, including your children. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, I felt like a failure when the doctors told me that. And, and, and even though all of this evidence was there, uh, it, I still now, no, no, I, I must have made some mistake here. There's no reason why she can't be coming home. What do you mean that these, they can't be administered at home? Isn't it like Advil or something, you know? Yeah. And, and no, they said, this is, this is, these drugs are very powerful. And, you know, sure enough, uh, Carol, when she was in the nursing home, even under those three drugs, she wound up hurting another male. Mm. Bumping into the male and just swung twice and bruised them up, I got another call again. Wow. Now there's no place to run. You're, you're in the facility, you're, I can't take oh, it any further. Right, right. It's, but they let her stay there. I hired a full-time caregiver inside. Inside, the yeah, that happens a lot. That's all I could do so I could keep my job. Right, right. And then they have to protect the residents, so you understand Absolutely. their yeah. predicament. Yeah. Such a, a sad and moving and funny and encouraging. You've, you've got all of those emotions covered in your story, and I thank you for that. Ice Cream in the Cupboard is a wonderful book and now a, 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 just a fabulous movie. Tell folks how they can find both the book and the movie. Uh, the book is on Amazon, uh, print on demand on yes. Amazon they have now, or Kindle. And the uh, film is on Amazon Prime. If you're a Prime member, it's free. But it's also on YouTube and Fandango and uh, uh, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Plus, and a lot of the uh, platforms uh, uh, that you can find it on different places. Perfect. Guys, I hope you'll check out both the book and the movie. And um, Patrick, you have been... Uh, inspiring for me as far as sharing your story and being open and and very real because there is nothing about dementia caregiving that's 
um, well, that you can make pretty. It's, it's just tough. I mean, there are funny days. There are um, things that you, you, I'm sure even you look back on and go, that, that, was, that was fun. But as the journey continues, those moments and those times become fewer and fewer and the difficult times become harder and harder. So well, I Cal, feel. Cal, people should also, uh, um, uh, one book that I read was Let's Talk Dementia. Oh, yeah. I love you. And, and I, I, I read it and, it, and it's amazing, especially some of the fun things that you said in there where, you know, it's okay to laugh, but with the patient, not at the patient. Not at the patient. No one wants to be laughed at, I don't think. Um, I don't. It doesn't make me feel good. But I do love a little humor. And, uh, you know, scripture says, um, laughter doeth good like a medicine. And yes. that's one medicine I think we should partake in very liberally every day, like those three beers you took down quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I hope, uh, well, before I say goodbye, tell folks where you are in your life now, because I met the new Mrs. Moffitt just a little bit ago. Yeah, um, well, we're living out in, and uh, she's working from home here, of course, so it's a good system for me. Right. Uh, but we're out in uh, Deer Park, Long Island, uh, about uh, oh, 50 miles from New York City. And what did you ask me before that? Was there something else? just how wonderful she is oh she's great she's great and, and you know when you know I got, we got married about a year and a half ago and it meant so much to me when you know it said till death do us part oh you know sometime when i was a, a young man and got married first after vietnam and i was sort of a scatterbrain i didn't have my feet on the ground and you're just saying a bunch of words right you know? not and, this time but now after all this time and watching what common went through and then finally passing after 10 12 years uh, when I said that to Marlene, uh, I knew what that meant. It came right from the heart. Death to his part is what I mean. Mm. It, it felt stronger than ever. You're going to make me cry. I hate to cry. I don't do pretty crying, so don't tell me that story anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's very moving, and, and I love you for that, and I know she does too. We had a little bit of trouble, folks, um, getting Zoom started so we could record this. And Carmen to the rescue. Yay. I was so Marlene glad. Marlene to the rescue. Marlene. Um, Mar I'm sorry. Carmen wasn't a little slip there. Thank you. Thank mm. you for that. All right, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this interview here with Patrick Moffitt and his wonderful book and movie, Ice Cream in the Cupboard. Do check it out. The book on Amazon. You can find the movie on Amazon Prime or on YouTube and various other platforms. Um, you'll be glad you spent the time um, in your world to learn more about his story. Patrick, I pray God's blessings on you and so Marlene and that you find joy and peace that you never knew existed and when you look back on your life every once in a while you take that right hand and you put it over your left shoulder and you pat yourself on the back and go you know dude you did the very best you could do and that's what we're called to do is to, to, to be are. our best yeah. you know and we can't be more than that so thank you Carol I hope we can do something again too it'll be when the time goes on thanks guys for joining us on this episode of let's talk dementia. A special thank you to our sponsors, National Association of Veterans and Families, 800-352-2919 or www.navf.org. Contact them for information regarding benefits for the veteran or the spouse of the veteran. Tell them Carol sent you. National Association of Veterans and Families. They speak veteran, so you don't have to. HD Imports, located in Rock Hill, South Carolina, wonderful mechanics for the repair and maintenance of Honda, Hyundai, Acura, Toyota, and Kia. HD Imports, 803-985-0985. 
I would like to take a special moment and thank you for being a part of Let's Talk Dementia. You can find all of our resources at our website, letstalkdementia.org. Our podcasts, our videos, our books, our blogs, and a form where you can contact me are all right there on the website. I look forward to hearing from you. Blessings and smiles.